I'm Trudy Morgan Cole, and welcome to Shelf Esteem, the podcast where I talk to people about the books they love. And this week we're talking about books and love as we're coming up on Valentine's Day as this episode's being released. I thought it'd be fun to talk to two romance writers about romance novels and finding romance in novels. Uh, my guests this week are Melanie Martin, author of the historical romance A Splendid Boy, and Vicki Barber, who is a very prolific uh, romance author, probably best known locally for her Heart's Ease series of romances set in Newfoundland. And they both had a lot to say about finding love between the covers of a book. As always, I started off by asking them what they've been reading lately. Well, I mean, these days, most of my reading tends to be for work. So it's a lot of reading other writers' work, helping uh -huh. edit or get ready to do a review for someone. Um, and they're all great books. Uh-huh. Um, but for me personally, I think the book that always comes into my head whenever I, I think of, of books is um, fantasy. I write romance, but uh -huh. I love fantasy books. Okay. And, uh, you know, there's a series um, called, who's, Anne Bishop is the author, and it's, and it has romance in it as well. It's called like the Blood Jewels okay. series, and it's basically about these demons uh -huh. of sort. And there's this young girl who's born, and she's gonna become like the daughter of the supreme demon. But they're actually good characters. It's mm -hmm. not evil characters, and there's a lot of lust and sexuality. But the world building in that is so good, and those characters are so striking uh -huh. that whenever I think of something that's left a lasting impression, it always comes back to that one series for me. And I haven't read it in about five years. And uh -huh. the fact that when you asked that question, that was the first thing that jumped into my mind. <laughs> it's still at the front of your mind. It, it yeah. must be in the front of my mind if that's exactly where my head just mm, went. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I, I love fantasy too, but I've never, I haven't even heard of that series. Yeah, it's yeah. very sensual. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. Very cool. Would you ever consider writing fantasy yourself, mm. do you think? The world building that you have to do for fantasy is the idea of it exhausts me. I'm not yeah. a plotter, I'm a pantser. Yeah. Right? So I just write by the seat of my pants because uh -huh. I like to be entertained, which is why I think I naturally gravitate towards contemporary romance. Uh -huh. um, I'd love to be able to write fantasy, but I don't think I'd do a good job. Yes. I think my yeah. world building would fall down because I'm more of a um, dialogue driven writer than right. a descriptive writer. Right. And do really good fantasy, you got to have both. You got to have the compelling dialogue, but you've got to be able to describe this world in a mm -hmm. way so that the reader just gets so immersed in it. I don't yeah. think I could pull it off. It's some writers really do it so well, but it seems to me like a really, really difficult thing yeah. to do, you know. Yeah. Oh, I think you'd have to do a lot of plotting. Oh, oh yeah. So, you know, like you're saying about the world building, I just, I was just proofreading for um, a writer in the U.S. who contacted me through a friend that I met at the conference last mm -hmm. October, and she's writing young adult. So I don't typically read young adult either, but, right. but I have a tolerance for just about anything as uh -huh. long as it's a good story. Right, you know, yeah. it's clean writing, and you know, I'll, I'll give it a go. Um, so Erin, my friend, said, "Would you proofread something for her? Like she's under the time, under right. the clock." 
And uh, I said, you know, I kind of am too, but I read a lot. So, uh-huh. you know, it's, it, it doesn't, hopefully it's not a chore, right? Right. It was fantastic. Oh, I finished really? it yesterday. I found myself sitting down four o'clock, turning on a show for the girls and saying, now mama has to finish this book, right? <laughs> it was good. It was, um, it was called Soul Catchers. And it was a really interesting take on, um, she had a Apache pa- um, Native American uh-huh. um, kind of, culture um, interwoven in these two people who are essentially soul catchers um, that can, you know, heal people through soul. They can let souls go. And it was all done with the subtext of, you know, how terrible government is right now. How they, you know, really, uh, you know, hoard you all into places because really they want money and power. And so the magic powers that these two possess can never be government would like to have them uh-huh. only to make sure that they don't actually heal anybody because pharmaceutical companies would go belly up. Mm. But it was just so well done. And I found myself, you know, I couldn't stop. Uh, I, I couldn't wait to get back at it and remember that I was actually proofing it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was a very clean manuscript. But uh, I looked the author up and she's got at least five or six in this series. Like, I would read her again. Yeah. And it's young adult, so it's uh-huh. just a sweet kind of... Um, you know, ro- romance, if you want to call it that, but it's the connection, the way uh-huh. she builds this connection in a fantastical way, I uh-huh. guess, between them. It wasn't hokey, which is yeah. what I expected it to be, mm-hmm. was, but just the way she described their connection and how they see the light of their, their souls and how much stronger they are together. Anyway, it, it did, I've got to admit, it's it's left an impression on me. Yeah. Um you know, because I, I suppose it was unexpected. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's neat, the book that you're not expecting yeah. that, yeah. It was, to me, it was going to be an obligatory read, uh-huh. right? And I said, yes, I'll do that, no problem, and it mm-hmm. wasn't. And, yeah. I, and I told her that when I wrote her back. I mean, I there were some some typos, and there was, but very clean, very few. Like, she was definitely at the end. Uh-huh. Um, and I said, you know, I really, this was meant to be like, okay, you said you're going to do it, you're going to do it, but I really enjoyed it. Oh, that's great, yeah. So, yeah, I've got to say. Now, I asked both of you here, as people who had written romances uh, or books where romance is a, is a major theme, because, you know, we're coming up on Valentine's Day. And I'm wondering, like, do you have book recommendations for, like, you know, what's your favorite love story in, 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 a, in a book or in fiction or, or character who's sort of the romantic lead or whatever? God, these favorite questions. Okay, but if, if, <laughs> I mean, don't limit yourself. It doesn't have to be one favorite, but uh, a, a, one that you like or can recommend. I tell you what, it's not so much a book as it is a trope. Okay. Because in the romance world, it's all about tropes. People sometimes give us a bad rap that we're formulaic, <laughs> but it's, you know, readers have certain things that they like. Right. Um, for me, the trope that I like is the independent woman mm-hmm. who goes looking for a man, not to make her life better or because she needs him for any particular reason, mm-hmm. but just because she's spent her life being successful and putting herself first, and now she's to this point, she's like, okay, I've got everything else, now I'll go find the guy. I like mm. those books. And I think because they tend to be playful yeah, and not um, super heavy. Uh-huh. You know, for me, I like love stories that are about the falling in love and the fun side of it, right. not the angst and all the terrible things that happen. Ooh, yeah. I like wooing. the wooing. Yeah. <laughs> and, I like, and I like the wooing when it's fun wooing and when mm. the woman has power. I like yeah. those. Yeah. Yeah. Are those the kind of stories you try to write yourself, do you think? Yeah, I think so. If, if you go back and look at 
my heroines, I mean, for the most part, they already know who they are. Mm-hmm. And then the guy comes along, and quite often the conflict is an internal conflict of how do I make room for this guy in my life? Which is already quite a full life. Like she's not looking a for life. a man to define her or, or complete exactly. her. Yeah. And then, also, how much of herself is she mm-hmm. willing to give up to make yeah. room for this guy in your life? Because, mm-hmm. you know, anyone who's in a relationship knows that... Um, there is a give and take. Yeah. And you do have to let certain things in your sense of self Mm. go in order to make room for this other person. Mm -hmm. And how much of that are you willing to actually let go? So that's... Those are the things that I think about a lot. And it could be because of my own personal experience. You know, Uh when I met my now husband, I already had a very firm idea of what my life was and where it was going. And to let him into it was uh, a bit of a a power struggle within myself. Mm. You know, what do you do when you fall in love and how do you make room for this person that you now love without giving up yourself? Mm -hmm. I like that. That is so interesting. Um, It's interesting to me because you know, when I think about the idea of love stories in fiction, uh, to me, and I've said this on the podcast half a dozen times before, but but the, my, my, my favorite series of novels and my favorite love story in fiction is uh, Dorothy Sayers' Lord Peter Whimsey Mysteries and the, the love story between her character, Harriet Vane, and, and Lord Peter Whimsey. And they, they, like the, the, the one where they finally sort of get together with Gaudy Knight was written in, I think, 1935. So it was a time which it was kind of taken for granted that, you know, of course, love was what a woman was looking for to complete her life. Mm-hmm. And, and it is so not that. It's a series of books about a really strong, independent-minded woman who is clearly in love with this guy, but also doesn't want to lose her independence right. and her sense of self. And really, that's what the struggle is all about. So it's interesting that you identify that as as like a trope in romance yeah. that, uh, uh, that, yeah, I think is a lot more relatable than the idea of of, you know, oh, I just need a man to come along right. and Prince Charming to come it's, along. It's real life, you yeah. know. It's, uh, and, and, you know, to that end, it's funny, I was thinking about that before we came. You know, you know, one of the questions I think was, do you, is there a character you identify with? Yeah. No, <laughs> not really. I mean, like, I like reading some of these books. I've read as many that I, you know, close up and think, oh, my God. This is garbage. I can't. Read this. <laughs> yeah. But I we I'm, won't ask you to right? name any of them. No, <laughs> no, I'm not one of those. Like I, I won't leave a negative review. I just won't leave a review. Yeah. But I wonder about the motivations of the writer, like what you're trying to convey. I really like the moment in the book where the man realizes, you know, that she's a strong, powerful woman. But he's not deterred by that, and he's not trying to own her, claim her. Yeah. He's trying to figure out he's, how he's, he's also going to fit into into that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's half the fun of it all. Um, you know, the read for me, I don't want to read or relate to anyone who feels like they're giving up everything. Yeah. And they're completely overpowered. I mean, I think the romance, not all of it, because there's still some out there, but I think maybe one of the things we talk about a lot and what we're hopefully trying to do is this isn't, you know, the romance of 30 years ago where it has to be, you know, bordering, you know, kind of really aggressive behavior to be a love story. Yeah. It's it's not like that. It's about women making decisions and conscious decisions to either, you know, be part of a, of a love story or not mm. based on, on the male character and what she what she's getting out of it, right? 
her choice to be there, not because she has to be there. Yeah, and this whole, you know, we talk about the bodice rippers. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Of the that was, that's it. You know? <laughs> that's, and that's what I was looking for. There's yeah. still certainly bodice ripping going mm-hmm. on in terms of, you know, these two people want to be with each other and, and that's happening. But it's no longer, thank God, um, <laughs> this, hey, baby, I know what you want more than mm, you do. Yes, yeah. Just, you know, I'm going to coerce you now into understanding just what physical... Right. Love can be like mm, it's yeah. it's not that, and there are still some people who are writing that, but sure, I'm not reading it, and yeah. I don't know anybody who is. So I think uh, the genre has changed a lot, and I yeah. think actually romance is pretty much on the cutting edge of of feminism and mm. and telling women's stories. I mean, it is it's mm-hmm. it's women's stories written by women for yeah. women, mm-hmm. um, and for the most part, we're all telling the stories that matter now, no matter what time period you're setting it in. Mm. That's right, right? We're still writing through the lens of a 21st century woman mm-hmm. with everything that goes with that. Yeah. And there's a lot of subtext, particularly in the contemporary romance novels now. I mean, there's a lot of great writers out there. Colleen Hoover, um, Samantha Young. Mm-hmm. Colleen Hoover takes on some really heady issues from, yeah. you know, abuse to, you know, growing up with alcoholic families uh-huh. and, you know, how all those things, you know, impact you as a person mm-hmm. and how it can inevitably impact your relationships and the people that you gravitate towards, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's definitely not, I don't know, it's just more the romance, a lot of the romance of today is more interesting. There's mm-hmm. more great situational things you're you're going along with their life it's it's not just on page eight this happens and it has to be a kiss and on page 25 that it's yeah not, it's not like that or the good ones aren't like mm-hmm. that i no, guess that's that's, that's, right. that's what i'm well that's good because i was going to ask you for some like recommendations either of specific books or authors who you think are doing it really well so you mentioned a couple there any others you can think of that like if someone said i'd like to read a good romantic story but i don't want that you know the stereotype that i have in my head of what you know what right. romance um, historic, historical romance is my favorite, mm-hmm. and I uh, and the Regency genre in particular. And you're the same way, right? Yeah. I mean, if, I think it's if you if you want to just wade into that, you can't go wrong with uh, Lisa Kleepas, Julia Quinn, Eloisa James, um, Tessa Dare. Uh huh. Any of those. Women. Lisa Kleepas is my favorite. She yeah. Favorite. So what does she write? What uh, she's what writing Regency right, Regency. Yeah. Uh-huh. But there, she's she's witty, and uh-huh. I like that. I yes. Like yeah. For sure. And, and she writes. She's not afraid to write quirky female characters. No. Who are very you know strong headed and um, almost bordering a little. There's one character who's almost you could say bordering a little bit of like autistic. She doesn't even realize how off-putting she might be, uh-huh. but what that whole story and how he comes to really embrace that, it's its amazing. It's really good. And the time period, how they really get the... I could never write... I would love to, but I could never write Regency. Um, yeah. It just took me four years to get my first role in book done. <laughs> the, the, the facts and, yes. the, the, again, the, the building the world that you were never a part of, that all of the research that was... There's so that, much. Right? I'm in the middle of that now, trying to write a book that's set in the 1600s. And it's like every little detail. Like, what did you have for breakfast? What kind yeah, of underwear right. are you wearing? Like, you right. know... It's daunting when you yeah. think about the full... How, how you paint a day in the life. It's yes. Like, oh, I yeah. have no idea. Every little detail you have to look up and find out. Yeah. That's so Julia Quinn, who's my favorite Regency writer, um, she talks about writing it from the historical point of view a little differently, you know, and, and this is why I enjoy her books, because they're very, again, they're very witty. Um, uh-huh. 
but she talks about the setting almost being like wallpaper. Like, mm. you've got to get your setting right. Right. But you shouldn't be bogging yourself. It's a romance. So yeah. You shouldn't be bogging yourself down into those details. So when she's describing a dress, she's not describing a dress mm. because she assumes that a Regency reader knows yes. Regency yeah. style of dress. She tosses out a color or a ribbon color and just lets your imagination and fill in the rest. Fill yeah. in the rest, you know. And so it's very much her books are they're set in that time period and yes she certainly understands that period but it's it's the background mm -hmm. right the love story and the characters are still central yeah. to it yeah. and uh, Melanie and I have the same background so of, of being Newfoundland historians and uh, my focus was on the 19th century uh -huh. which is you know when the Regency period comes along and I keep trying unlike Melanie I keep <laughs> trying to write my Regency series uh-huh but the historian in me does keep getting bogged down in those details. Yeah. Even though Julia Quinn says it's wallpaper. Yeah, Victoria but the Barber, wallpaper has to be correct right. still. Yeah. Victoria Barber says, yeah, but I still got to know how long is it going to take me on a horse to get from this house yes, to this house. Yes, for sure. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's so not then, an Uber. You can't call an Uber. <laughs> <laughs> so then four hours have gone by, and I'm like, I don't know. Was he on a horse? What type of carriage was he in? There's five different types of carriages, and I'm exhausted. And if readers get it wrong... They will tell you. Oh, like people will know if you get it. If you get it wrong, readers oh, will notice. Yeah, they so will tell you. <laughs> I think um, you know. I think romance readers are they're rabid. <laughs> they are. They know the genres. That, oh yeah, uh, yeah. That they're reading, and uh, there's no doubt about that. Um, they will call you out on it, the mm -hmm. wise and or others. Yeah. Uh, I know another author friend of ours who um, had, you know, people email her and say, "No, um, that horse." was not uh, frequented in that part of the Scottish Highlands oh. in this time period. It's like, <laughs> yeah. really? And that's the sort of thing <laughs> you worry about you so much. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody yeah. out there knows it, and they will make a point and of telling you. Yeah. Point of telling you, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Why Regency? Like, I know Regency romances are incredibly popular, both you know among readers and, and writers. Why that time period, do you think? What's, like, what is so fascinating about it to so many readers? I think... Um, it's a couple of things. It's past the Scottish historical period uh -huh. uh, and even the Georgian period when things were more regimented in terms of power and uh -huh. agency that women had. And it's before the Victorian period, mm -hmm. which is well known yes. for the, you know, the, the way that these constructs, these social constructs of, of female identity and behavior mm -hmm. were. You had this small window when the regent in England was basically, you know, our version of a playboy party yes, guy. Yes, yeah. And that reflected itself in the society when all of a sudden the two-week-long country house parties and the balls and presenting yourself to, to court. And, like, if you look at, at the clothes that a regency character wears. Mm -hmm. It's to us now, you know, before I understood the Regency period, you know, and I and I watched uh, Pride and Prejudice for mm -hmm. the first time, I was like, oh, look how drab those dresses are. They kind of look like yeah. nightgowns, what yeah. we'd call a granny gown, right? right? But for the time, women weren't wearing the corsets. Yes. The yeah. Yeah. They could be natural underneath yeah. those gowns. The material could be very light mm -hmm. and almost... See through. In a way, <laughs> yeah. You know? So if a woman's walking, so it was a very freeing time mm -hmm. in a way for females, where you could just wear your gown and feel like a woman underneath, mm. and uh, 
very sensual, I think. And and the people who write those regencies, I mean, we can't discount the fact that Jane Austen did a lot for the regency yeah. romance. And for romance in general. I mean, yeah. really, she, you know, almost all, to me, a lot of the tropes of romance can be traced back can to traced Jane Austen. Back, yeah. Yeah. But it was Georgette Hare. Am yes. I pronouncing that right? Yes. Um, who I view as actually the first Regency mm. writer. Because I think Jane Austen wasn't writing Regency. Actually, she was writing She's writing Georgia. contemporary. Oh, okay, she was yeah. writing contemporary. Right, exactly. yeah. She was writing she what was, was happening in her time. Her life. Yeah. Right. So for her, it was a contemporary romance. Mm-hmm. Whereas the growth of the Regency novel that, that came to be came from reading her books. Yeah. And wanting yeah. to recreate that world, mm-hmm. you know, of the balls and the, yeah. the dancing and the big long parties and you know this idea that you can go to a house party and you can be there for three weeks (laughs) hunting during the day it's exhausting to me but you know pretty exhausting for the servants I imagine (laughs) you had to do all the work yeah and this is the thing you know it's all romance is escapism Mm, right and uh, to think that um, you know 1810 England was all fancy dresses and three week long house parties is is not true. No. Right. I mean not It's looking at one tiny slice of life. Of yeah. If yeah. you were gonna write a romance about, you know, someone um even if you're a maid in a house, it's going to yeah. be quite the different story. Oh yeah. And there are authors who do that, I think. Have Mary. you read Joe Baker's Longburn? No. Longburn is a novel it came out three or four years ago, uh, about the servants at the, ho- at the house in Pride and Prejudice. And there's a whole oh. romance and, and, and it kind of an intrigue plot. There's a lot going on below stairs, and, and it's so well done. And it does kind of capture that thing of, oh, yes, these people are having all these lovely, elegant house parties, but, you know, somebody's emptying their chamber pots, too. Exactly. And, that's, and they have you know, a life. They have a life of their own. Yeah, they're not just, just you know, background servants. They have their own loves and passions and, right. and, and, and defeats. So she did that really, really well, I thought. In most of the regencies I've read, the the furthest down the totem pole, the 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 heroine seems to go is to be a governess. Yes, I don't think I've yeah. ever come across a chambermaid, unless it's a woman who you know is entitled to you know wealth and got yes, kicked out by yeah. evil such and such, and yeah. is now has to function in the house as a chambermaid. If, but if it was too realistic, I don't think it would <coughs> serve that escapist function. Exactly. You know, yeah, because yeah. you want that that world of. Yeah, the the house parties and the yeah. beautiful dresses. That's right. When I when I want the real history and the reality, I'm going to go read a history book. Yeah, yeah. On that, you know. But when I want to escape and just let my imagination go down a mm-hmm. nice happy road, then I'm going to get yeah, my romance for sure. Yeah, uh, Melanie, you mentioned your World War One book, which is moving into a somewhat of a different era. But is that a romance? Would you consider your book a romance? Or uh, I tell think, us a little bit about it. I think um, it certainly never intend. It never started that way. It was never intended to be a romance book by any stretch. Um, but the more I learned um, through research and just stories and reading journals mm-hmm. and letters is that um, relationships were very key during the First World War, as mm-hmm. they are always. always. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the letters that the soldiers wrote to mm-hmm. their mothers and their their wives and their sweethearts and the people that they met along the way. Um, you know, when you're lying in a, in a cold, dark trench in the middle mm-hmm. of no man's land, that connection to another human being was was everything and um, you know not knowing if you'd uh, live to see them again so somewhere along the way it kind of uh, I realized that you know there would have to be a relationship that would be kind of Mm -hmm. 
at the core. And, uh, you know, so what I would say that it turned into it is very much a piece of historical fiction in every way. Mm-hmm. But it has what they call a strong romantic element. Right. It's a love story. It is a love story. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was, ne- <laughs> and of course, it was never pitched that way. But then, you know, it, it really is. I mean, it it, it traces, um, you know, it's two teenagers mm-hmm. who are um, are of dif- different classes, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he goes off to the to the First World War, and she follows. Um, mm-hmm. You know, she's of merchant class, British, and uh-huh. uh, he's a, a fisherman's son, and. Um, you know, there is a connection between them, and she, when she realizes why he's really left, she decides she's going to, you know, put an end to this. But of course, he's already enlisted; he's training. You can't just go and you can't you can't back you can't out. Yeah, right no. <gasps> so uh, you know, she became um, a very strong uh, female character uh-huh. and um, joined the volunteer aid detachment uh-huh. and got herself sent to the front. So the whole uh, story plays out in the midst of, you know, it traces the regiment very mm-hmm. factually through their four years, um, right, you know, from their training to Gallipoli to the Western Front and home again. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's basically like a 65-year Love story. Oh wow! It, well, it definitely sounds like a romance to me, even if it's not a category yeah, romance yeah. novel. It's a love story. The only thing a book needs to be a romance is a happily ever after. Hmm. And when a splendid boy came out, and and a few of us were helping Melanie figure out things that she could do with her book, we mm-hmm. suggested, why don't you submit it to some romance awards? And uh-huh. we had a big discussion about if it right. was. Is it a romance? Or is or is it? Yeah. And I was like. Hey, <laughs> it might take them a while, but there's a happily ever after. It gets there eventually. It's a right? romance. Right. Send it off. Uh-huh. And uh, it's done really well. Because That's great. Yeah. And yeah. so I, yeah. I did send it off. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't expect um, anyone in romance circles to mm. really see it that way, but they did. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I was really fortunate to get nominated for a, for an award mm-hmm. last uh, October uh, in um, California. Oh, cool. So, and she was runner-up. And nice. Congratulations. Yeah. You're a winner to me. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it was a wonderful experience. A big writing conference that went with it. Um, industry conference as mm-hmm. well as the writing and the craft. And uh, it was great. Opened up a lot of um, great contacts for me and a lot of American writers that, you know, had no idea where Newfoundland was. Uh-huh. But, you know, mm-hmm. now are looking at what we're doing because there's a few people around that are writing romance and Uh um you know, we've been invited back, and to so that it's nice to be part of a of a wider connection. Oh yeah, with some, for sure. You know, there's some heavy hitters that were there and involved, and mm-hmm. so it's nice. It's, That's great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's good. So in your case, categorizing your book as a romance, even though you hadn't thought of it that way originally, yeah. actually opened up a lot of possibilities and a lot of readers, I guess. It to did. You. Yeah. There, there's no doubt about that. I mean, there's, um, you know, there were hundreds of writers uh, and readers at this conference. And I brought books to sell, and I didn't think really that they would sell mm-hmm. uh, because nobody knew who I was. But that wasn't the case at all. So um, I don't know. People are always looking for something different, for sure. And yeah. I remembered one of the uh, one of the writers who were, was part of the jury process came up to me that night and said, 
you know, I'm not supposed to even tell you this, but I was one of the jury uh, jury members. Uh-huh. And she said, I, you know, I really loved your book. It's not like anything oh, I'd read. Yeah. Um, and she said, I just, I couldn't believe it was your first, and I really hope you do more. Mm-hmm. It was uh, was really great to, to hear that. Um, she's got many titles out herself, and, you know, a lot of them are writing what I would call hardcore romance. Yeah. So it was nice that, um, you know, that, that it did strike a chord because it is very much a Newfoundland mm-hmm. yeah. book. Though I mean, they all go abroad and they're fighting in a, in a global conflict, but there's a lot of Newfoundland um, history in it. Mm-hmm. Really, right? yeah. So to see that it was appreci- could be appreciated uh, by other people was was great, and that it could be considered a romance yeah. and satisfyingly so right. to people who read romance. I guess mm. that was yeah. a real eye opener. Yeah. But here's here's the thing. I mean. I don't know about you, but when I was younger, I certainly was one of those people who kind of poo-pooed romance as a genre, you Uh know, the, oh, it's formulaic, and anyone can do it, and I Mm -hmm. wouldn't read that, and then slowly over time, my grandmother kept, you know, saying, oh, just read this one, you'll like this hero, or I just want you to read this one, because Mm -hmm. I think you'll really enjoy the So she was a big reader of romance. She was a huge reader of everything, Uh and and, uh, I think everything I've ever read in my life has been sort of directed by her you mm-hmm. know eventually I branched out into fantasy and some other things and I could never get her on board with that but <laughs> um, when I finally decided to sit down and and write a romance after I'd fallen in love with the genre and understood the power of it which mm-hmm. to me is escapism um, I went back and I looked at everything that I had been writing beforehand you know as early as tiny little manuscripts that I was writing for my friends when I was a teenager to you know half written have formulated ideas, which I thought were always something different mm-hmm. when I was writing them. And in retrospect, they were all romances. Huh. I just didn't realize it. I, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? But it was all about the love story. Everything mm-hmm. that I ever sat down to write was about, here's the guy and here's the girl and how do they get together? Mm. And I just didn't see it, yeah. that it was a romance. I thought it was a different story. But it's not. It's a love story. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's where my yeah, head it's interesting. goes. It is interesting. Yeah. I never had an aversion to it. I, I, I wasn't exposed to it. Mm-hmm. I guess that's, that's the difference. Um, Mom didn't read it. And there was no one in the house r- reading it. So I had no... I mean, I grew up... I was reading... Judy Bloom was like the first, yeah. you know, real book. I mean, I I love Nancy Drew. I remember uh-huh, re- yeah. bringing home Nancy Drews in grade two for for reading, and the teacher calling my mom and saying, "Okay, so she's checked out a Nancy Drew book, but we're pretty sure she can't read it." <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, <clears throat> I was a voracious reader from yeah. go, uh-huh. and I'm not sure where that came from either because my parents weren't. Mom was a teacher, but not at that point. She was off. She was doing something else. Mm-hmm. It's not like I really saw people going around with books in the house a lot, but I think from a very early age, I loved books because. It doesn't matter what age you're at. It's escapism. It's something mm, different. It is. Yeah. You know, I grew up in a really northern remote community, and for mm-hmm. six months of the year, it's winter. Yeah. So you read. My brother for played sure. hockey. <laughs> <laughs> I, I read. read. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I wasn't exposed to it. Yeah. <clears throat> and I really only started reading a lot of romance when I, you know, came back into contact, recontact from university with you, and uh, certainly Debbie, and... Mm-hmm started to realize that it's not just romance there's tons of there's genres and sub-genres subcategories and, yeah like, and whoa, but I mean I wrote I read historical fiction forever I love historical fiction yeah the first you know um, piece of historical fiction that really will always stay with me was Michael Crummy's River Thieves oh yes it, it's, yeah I, I'll, it's always going to be for me the um, 
the it thing. Mm-hmm. I was um, in university at the time, and I was reading uh, one of the. I think it was a Buchan's journals that he references. Okay, yes. Yeah. I was actually looking at it as a as a source for a paper I was writing, and the book came out, and the prof said, you know, FYI, this book came out if anybody's interested. Uh-huh. So I picked up the book, and when I should have been writing, you know, midterm papers, <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm reading this book, and for the first time as a history student, mm-hmm. I see how to take primary sources mm. and turn them into turn a them fictional into fiction. story. Yes, yeah. And it knocked my socks off. Yeah. And it was that moment that I thought, oh, I'm going to do this. Mm. Probably not that well, but I'm going <laughs> to yeah. give it a go. Right? Yeah. And yeah. that's when I realized, you know, all this training, mm-hmm. because I do think history is great training for writing. Definitely. Um, Absolutely. In terms of understanding sources and how to use them, and it doesn't matter whether you're writing fiction or not. I think if you're writing historical fiction, that you, there's a duty that you have. Yes, I agree. I, I, I believe Absolutely. that firmly, but uh, but there's no restrictions, and it's mm. very freeing from yeah. the academic stuff. And I've done yeah. a lot of that, um, you know. But this was something completely different and a yeah. lot of fun. Yes, yeah, it's it is a so lot of fun. fun. I agree. Yeah. And if you can, at the end of the day, give somebody who's never going to pick up that history book. Mm-hmm. A small lesson because your facts are right. Yeah, yeah. I don't think there's yeah. anything wrong. I mean, I like I have a history degree too, and I feel like most of the history I've learned has not been from my courses when I did my BA. It's been from novels, reading, yeah. reading either novels that were written at a time period or yeah. historical novels that were written about it. Like, and, yeah. and I will do the thing of like reading a novel or watching a movie or something said historically and then go look it up afterwards mm-hmm. to oh, find out, was this accurate? Did it really <laughs> yeah, happen like that? I was that person who like, well, my family, we just finished watching season two of The Crown and I'm there, I'm the person with Wikipedia yes. open on my phone okay. the whole time. Yeah. Well, it wasn't it's exactly really like that. But I did the they, yeah. same thing, Trudy. Hilarious. I I don't think I I ever thought I would Google Prince Philip as often as I watch The Crown. I mean, now shows up in my search history. I'm kind of embarrassed by that. uh, I mean, for me, historical fiction, just building off what Melanie said, and my grandmother, I think I was probably 11 or 12 years old when I started reading Catherine Cookson. Mm -hmm. And because Nan just loved Catherine Cookson. And, you know, again, that's. It's a different side of English history. Yes. You yeah. know, it's still the 19th century, which is where I think I just gravitate towards. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it was the people who were working in the mines and the people in the big houses, but not in a glamorous oh, okay. way. It was more... I've not read any Catherine Cookson, oh, but now that makes me want to read her. Yeah, so it's, it's almost like, um, I mean, there are relationships in there, but... They don't always end with a happy ending. There's mm. a lot of things that go on, but there's definitely love stories in there. There's one called The Moth. Oh, my goodness. And that one still sticks out. But I was about 12 years old, and I was on vacation uh, at Terranova Park with my cousin and a couple of aunts. And I remember we stopped into, like, a gas station, and you know how the racks of books are there. Mm-hmm. And um, so my cousin and I were both huge readers, and I remember she picked up, I don't know, a couple of teen novels, whatever uh-huh. they would be. And there was a brand new... Sweet cat, Valley High. Probably something <laughs> probably like that. Yeah. those, yeah. And, uh, which I also read. Yeah. Uh-huh, um, but every Catherine Cookson book I had read up to that point, and I hadn't read a lot probably by the time I was 12 or 13, and I couldn't have been any older than that because she moved to Labrador just as we were turning 13, which is why I'm pretty certain this was uh, the age. But it was a big book. 
and it had a red <clears throat> cover, and it was called The Parson's Daughter, and it was by Catherine Cookson. And I was mm-hmm. so excited that I was going to get to buy my very own Catherine oh, Cookson cool. book, and then I could give it to my grandmother. <coughs> uh-huh. <clears throat> and my aunts tried to convince me not to buy that book. It's too big. I don't think it's really for young girls. <laughs> I was like, I read her. I'm getting And <laughs> they did I'm not doing. believe me. And I just, you know, I can remember going back to Terranova Park and getting on the top of that camper park <laughs> and just, you know, digging into oh, it. Yeah. And uh, that's just, it's where I went. And I still have every Catherine Cookson book. My yeah. husband's like, but you've read them all. <laughs> that's go, not okay. a reason not to have books. <laughs> I'm like, no. Ah. You let go of your magic cards and then I'll think about that my books. <laughs> but it's funny. It's not that I don't watch my share of TV, but not like I used to because I have four-year-old twins. I don't have to do anything like no. I used yeah. to. But I'll still gravitate towards a book before oh, yeah. I will a, a movie or a television I show. Do. And do you find... Like, I read a lot on, on my tablet. Mm, me, too. Yeah, me too. But I try to always have a real book around so mm. that my son, my son is five. He wants to marry Melanie's daughters. <laughs> Both of them. Both, Both of them. Because they're very different girls. Um, but uh, I, I like to make sure that he sees me reading a real book. A physical book, As yeah. well. Because just today, I was reading. Uh-huh. A manuscript belonged to one person sitting here in this room. <laughs> and, but I was doing it on my computer. Mm-hmm. And he said, oh, ma." Just please put away your computer. Oh, yeah, because he sees that as your... Because he just sees it. Yeah, so, right. And then I think, well, now he thinks I'm either doing work or I'm playing a game mm. or I'm watching mm-hmm. videos or all the things that, you know, he knows yeah. that you can do on a computer. But he doesn't interpret it as you're reading, even though you often book. are. Yeah. Even though I tell him, <clears> so I always <throat> need to have... A yeah, real paper book, book there, there too. Just so yeah. that he can see me do that too. It's mm, interesting. Mm-hmm. So you obviously have another book in the works. Uh, I do, although I'm, I've embarked on something strangely terrifying um, because I wrote a contemporary romance. Oh, okay. Under a pen name. Because uh-huh. <laughs> yes. I didn't want anyone to confuse. Uh, the genres because right. I do intend to write another um, another historical, historical. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have you know eight or ten thousand words uh, down on that and mm-hmm. just parked it because it it's going to require still a lot of research. Mm-hmm. I'm going to stick with the first World War time period for a while. I'm really love the time period. There's so much there. Yeah, and yeah. and uh, my focus is going to be on a on a, a young female mm-hmm. uh, with a medical slant, which means there's lots of research. I've already put oh, my yeah. cousin on notice. She's a doctor, and but I. That's I come up the, with, but that's <laughs> not the book right now. No, it's no. <laughs> not the book. So uh, all that to say, I didn't want to uh, confuse anything. So I have written, um, and I wrote the guts of it during this past NaNoWriMo, uh-huh. just to see if I could. Yeah, <laughs> to, did. to make a goal and say, okay, you know, and yeah. it's, it's hard to do that. It is, yeah, because it's hard to write in that time frame. But I found it very freeing because yeah. I'm a an obsessive. Um, editor yeah. as I write. That's what I find great about trying to do NaNoWriMo, yeah. which I've done probably eight or ten times, um, is just, you know, really just focus on getting that first yes. draft out you there. Don't have time yeah. to think. Exactly, you yeah. Because uh, you're constantly watching the days and the hours yeah. tick down yeah. Yeah. T- in the word count, and it forces you to abandon that inner editor and yes. say, if you want to get the skeleton out of the bone, you got to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I did, and it worked very well for me this time around. I'm not sure if it would work a- again. Mm-hmm. It hasn't for me since. I got my very first novel done in 11 days through NaNoWriMo wow. against her rules. Yeah, uh-huh. the, the first draft, <laughs> uh-huh. which needed a lot of work after, but I, I can look at the book that's out there now and see that the lion's share of what's out there is what I did in those 11 days. Wow. Um, but I haven't been successful with it since. I think it's because now 
I just have so many books to do. Yeah. Like I put yeah. up four books last year. And maybe year. you have a routine now anyway. I do. Yeah. 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 I think for me, and I think maybe also for you, is that NaNoWriMo taught me that it's okay to keep writing even though the last paragraph isn't perfect. Yeah. You don't need yeah. to have every sentence perfect before you write the next that's one. Right. You get that story down and then you go back mm. and massage. And I think that's a learning experience that yes. I needed yeah. and you needed as well. I did. I did. I think uh, I always say academic writing ruins you. <laughs> it does, yeah, in uh, a lot of know, ways. I, yeah. and, you know, you have to be careful who you say that to, but, <laughs> but, it's, but it's other people who have experienced yeah. that, that, you know, the... Um, I don't know. It, it it just made me into a a painful writer. Yeah. And the, I well, think everything is so you know checked and double checked yes. and and hedged about with all these weasel words. Yeah, like it, it might seem as if such and such. Right. You know, right. Yeah. It does. Yeah. It kind of sucks the life out of you. And um, this is so vastly different. Yeah. Um, but you're. It was being able to say, I have I have to separate the two. And I know mm-hmm. that they're too creative is one side and, you know, the discerning editor is the other side of the brain. But I just couldn't shut those off. And I think that's part of the reason it took me so, wrong, so long to write A Splendid Boy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I did stop to have the twins in the middle. Because <laughs> there is yeah. that. There also, is that. also time consuming. I did yeah. find a time that I wasn't that creative uh, at eight and a half months pregnant. But... Um, but yeah, it's, it's so maybe it was a combination of this having nothing to do with history. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's contemporary. The, yeah. the biggest research I did was pull up Google Maps and say, okay. Yes, yep. contemporary is yes. so much easier well, to write for that so, reason. So, you know, yeah. the street's here and that street's there and mm-hmm. this is what this looks like. But uh, if you want to get into some detail. But apart from that, it's a... It was a very freeing experience. Mm-hmm. And it was a lot of fun. Um, you know, I... I, I didn't anticipate it being that much fun, but no. creating characters like that, putting them in uh, fun situations and that aren't, you know, overly serious, but we, it does get into some, some heady stuff mm-hmm. and at times. I think it's more serious than anything I've written. <laughs> <laughs> so is this a book that's going to be out in the world that yes, people can pick up and buy? Yes, out soon. Like, going to tell us about it? I, like, give us I, I don't know when this podcast is airing. But uh, it'll be probably, we're recording it on Sunday, February 4th. Hopefully, hopefully it'll be posted next Sunday, February 11th. Then so. it could be live now. It could, wow. Yeah, so what's the title? So it could be. It's, so it's called The Keeping Kind. Uh-huh. Uh, it's the first in um, uh, hopefully a, a small series. Uh-huh. Uh, called the Kilkenny Chronicles. Okay. So it's uh, a lot of Irish characters in uh-huh. it. Um, and it's my pen name, Callie Clark. So K A L L I E Clark. Oh, we'll look yes. for that. Yeah. So, yeah. For sure. I'm very excited. Yeah, I am excited. That's great. Two it's thumbs fun. up from yeah. Victoria Barber. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Now, what Thank about you. you, Victoria? What do you have coming out uh, uh, next? I know you have so many things on the go all I, at once. Well, I think yes, I'm yes, still... she does. She's got a lot of things she's writing. I have a lot of things I'm writing. I'm mm-hmm. I'm still coming down from um, doing four books last year. Oh, and, wow. Yes, anybody would. And when Alpha Wars came out at the end of October and then Christmas in the Harbor came out around the same time, and it seems like I've just spent the past two months promoting those books. Yes, yeah. But I am working on something, and I have no idea what it is. Okay. It's, it's very interesting. Yeah. So the way we work, I mean, myself and Melanie uh, and a few other authors, we're a very tight group. Uh-huh, and which is we, great. And we yeah. very much encourage each other to always be writing. And sometimes mm-hmm. what we do is, as we're writing a chapter, we just send it to each other. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, so I have Melanie and a few other people very upset with me that there have been mm-hmm. no words this month. <laughs> <laughs> she really hooked us good. Yeah. yeah. So now I just need to get back 
into it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm sure there'll be a love story in there, but it's so early on, and because I don't plot, mm-hmm. you. but I can say with 100% certainty that it's unlike anything else that I've written. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So well, it's always fun to take things in new directions. It's a lot yeah. of fun. I don't know what else to say about it. And then, of course, there's always going to be more Heartseeds books, and yeah. I have to finish Geek Dad this year, and I uh-huh. would like to get a second Alpha Wars done, and I have a series set in Texas that I want to do, but oh, the wow. politics of America right now is kind of... You kind of don't want to go there? Making me yeah. a little... I think I'm just going to sit back on that one for yeah. a little while before I jump into it, because I have to be in the right headspace. Mm, and, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, fu- it's funny how things happen when, when you're a writer, because I uh, went to our friend Debbie's house, mm-hmm. who writes as Kate Robbins, and uh, I just had a couple hours to kill. She said, go to my house and do some writing. <laughs> and I got there, and I called my husband. I'm like, I don't know what to write. I should be doing this. He said, just write something, because you're uh-huh. not writing anything right now. So just see what words come out. And I wrote a paragraph, mm-hmm. and I was shocked by the paragraph. Wow. So I sent it off to, to the girls. And I said, should, am I wasting my time? What should I do with this? And it was like a resounding more. Oh, that's great. So I did some more. And that some is more great. And some more. Yeah. So we'll see. I know. Yeah. She, said, she said, I don't know if I should keep doing this. I don't know how we're going to market it. I said, don't worry about marketing. <laughs> exactly. It. Write it. Yeah, just, just write get, it. worry about the story. <laughs> worry about done. where you're going to sell that's it right later. Enough. Yeah. yeah. So Absolutely. It's Writing was so lonely. When you think you're the only romance writer in the world. Mm-hmm. In Newfoundland, well, not in the world, but when you think you're the only romance writer in Newfoundland, yeah, it's so lonely. And so, then, how did you discover all the other romance writers? Well, Debbie Robbins and I, who, as I said, writes as Kate Robbins, we worked together a long time ago, mm-hmm. and we were Facebook friends. And I noticed one day that she was um, just posting about writing a romance novel, and I had just finished. Against her rules with NaNoWriMo. And I sent her off a message. I said, are you writing romance? She's like, yeah. <gasps> I said, so am I. She's like, you are? So she was like the first one that <laughs> so I So that found. was kind of the beginning of it all. Yeah. yeah. And then she had a writing group, mm-hmm. um, which Melanie was part of. Oh, okay. And Melanie and I knew each other from our Newfoundland history days. But mm-hmm. we had, I had moved away. And right. And come back and the whole thing and we'd fallen out of touch and Debbie kept talking about her friend Melanie and to me but I never pieced it together and she Uh kept talking about her friend Vicky to Melanie and (laughs) it wasn't until we actually saw each other and we're like I know (laughs) and and then every time that we do something in the media we just kind of put out this blanket call of you're not alone if you're a romance writer Mm. in Newfoundland you're not the only person doing it find us and now mm-hmm. I think we know about 30 or 40 mm-hmm. of That's us. amazing that there's yeah. so many people doing and it. There yeah. were a lot of them doing it before we even, well certainly even before you and Debbie mm-hmm. um, got on the go and had been quite successful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, pseudonyms, yeah. self-publishing, yep. making a living. Uh-huh. No one had any no idea. Was wow. Yeah. It's very interesting. Mm-hmm. It's a great world. Yeah, technology yeah. has really opened up a lot of doors. Oh, yeah, and it does connect you with, with sure. a lot of people, too. Yeah. yeah. That is so interesting. Yeah, because I, I think, uh, you know, I think... Other than the couple of things that, that have been in the media, I think most people don't know that there's such a lively community of romance writers know. here. Yeah. But and it's not and it's not just romance writers. It's genre fiction is yeah. really there is just exploding. I yeah. mean, when you think about there's a big sci-fi, sci-fi fantasy. Oh mm-hmm. my god, amazing! And some of those writers are crossing over into both yeah. uh, mm-hmm. you know sci-fi and the the romance 
portion of sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's incredible. It's it's and it's a lot of young people. It's yeah. really nice to see, which is, is great. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think it's I think it's wonderful. Yay. If you're creating, yeah, yes. it's a good thing. It's it a is. great thing. You know. Yeah. So it's you know, and it's proof that you can um, you can live and work at your trade. Uh, in Newfoundland, yes, yeah. Yeah. and stay here, and that, yeah. that's a big thing for me. That kind of really um, channels into my day job, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, support for for artists in Newfoundland, Labrador, no matter what it is that you're doing. Mm-hmm. But you know that you don't have to think about the fact that you just come from here and have to go elsewhere in order yeah. to to ply your trade for sure yeah so that's, I think that's great well that's the great thing about writing unlike say you know if you're acting or in the music yeah. business maybe you do need to go right. where you know you can grow up, draw a bigger crowd but right. especially with you know the internet you can mm-hmm. be writing here and being read be. everywhere absolutely is, I have readers all across the world mm-hmm. and you know they've all found me through ebook yeah and it's uh it's amazing. I love it when I get an email from someone and they're in Australia or India or mm-hmm. Germany or who knows where. Oh, yeah. That's right. fantastic. Yeah. And then people identify. I mean, I had so many emails after Splendor <clears throat> Boy from not just Newfoundlanders, but uh, people who had, you know, strong connections to their family from the First World War. Right. Yeah. You know, just the fact that something that you've written that they identify with or that they would say, you know, I I remember my grandfather telling me about this mm-hmm. and it's so vivid. I have I remember one email was from someone who said I have my uh, grandfather's letters and he describes, you know, life at the front exactly as you did. Oh and wow, that's amazing. That's amazing. That's, it, amazing. <laughs> that's yeah. it, you know. I feel like I've done my job because it's really hard to do that. Um, certainly with historical stuff is that you know that you stay true to the time mm-hmm. and place you're you're putting people always ask me <clears throat> Daniel and Emma in a splendid boy are they real and I mm-hmm. always say no but they could have been they, yes, they, yes I, I really been. believe that they could have been yeah um, and that's the time and effort that you put into mm-hmm. the backstory yeah and the, your collection I, I, of facts that's right? exactly my feeling about historical fiction too both writing it and reading it it doesn't have to be true but it has to be something that could have been true Absolutely. all the that wallpaper all the background yes, details right. need that's to be right. correct enough that you could believe the characters were real in that time and place yeah, yeah. it's uh, for me I love I didn't write thinking about Newfoundlanders reading my series, even mm-hmm. though it was set in Newfoundland, I'd always been thinking about, you know, finding the core romance right. reader, which right. tends to be in, in the United States. And I didn't put a whole lot of thought into, well, what happens when Newfoundlanders read it? What uh-huh. are they going to think? And then uh, Newfoundlanders did start reading it, and I kind of had a panic attack. I was like, <laughs> what, if, what if they think that I've, you know, portrayed Newfoundland terribly? What if they yeah. think it's hokey? Or what if, what if they think that I've... You know, somehow fallen into stereotypes about people. And so I'm so happy whenever I have someone come up and say, oh, I love it. I love the fact that you're not making us out to be stupid or yes. one-dimensional or, you know, that, that weird Newfoundland sense of humor that a lot of things get caught up in. Like, yeah. You just have real people who just happen to live around the bay yes, or happen, yeah. you know, to go downtown. Mm-hmm. And so that makes me feel really good that I've managed to be true to the place. And people from here <laughs> appreciate people from it that here way. don't yeah. feel like I'm pandering to a stereotype. Yeah. Now that does lead into a question though that, that came up in another conversation mm-hmm. I had with someone else on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. When you're writing a story that's set in Newfoundland but you know most of your readership is going to be outside, do you take a, time, a lot of time to stop and explain things or yeah. you just figure they'll pick it up as they go along? Um, if it's food, sometimes I will. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
but no, I don't. I, I guess I assume that a reader, if they're curious mm-hmm. uh, about a place, that they're smart enough to go Google it. Yes. Figure yeah. it out. If I'm reading, you know, if I'm reading a book and it's set in Scotland or it's set in Maine or Texas, nobody's explaining exactly. to me yes. what, yeah. need. what yeah. it is that makes Texas so spectacularly yeah. they different. Just talk right. about things and you pick it up from context yeah. as you exactly. go along. Yeah. It's just yeah. another setting. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, no, I don't. Good. Really, Good. You know, and mm-hmm. I am very, I try not to be too dialect heavy, uh-huh. although Aunt Ida certainly does, does do that and I figure I can get away with it with one character yes, who's yeah. in her 90s. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I just try and make it the Newfoundland that I live. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And see what happens. Yeah. That's great. I think it's wonderful that you're doing that. We're just about out of time. Um, One last question to think about is, we've talked a little bit about people who have a stigma against romance as a genre or are skeptical about it. What would you say if you could say to someone who's saying, well, why should I read a romance novel? Well, (laughs) um, I have faced this when I'm out doing signings with people who will stop and say, Oh, well, I don't read romance. Oh, that's nice that they would say that right to your face. (laughs) But I also have people who stop and say, oh, is it fiction? I don't read fiction. Or they'll say, oh, I only read mystery. Mm. And so I actually don't try and convince people to read romance Mm -hmm. because, yeah, so I don't really feel that it's my job to tell people why they should go out and read a romance novel. But what what I do say to people is, well, you know, we all have the things that we're interested in reading. But if you ever feel like trying something different, if you feel like you're in a rut with the types of books that you always read, um, then go pick up something different mm. and try and read something with an open mind. Um, if the reason why you don't read romance is because you feel that it's a bunch of damsels in distress <laughs> um, being, you know, ravaged by <laughs> men on horseback or by billionaires in their rooms of pain, um, then... It's not that. Mm -hmm. And if you're just looking for a book that's going to leave you feeling better at the end of the reading process, Mm -hmm. because we can't always be reading things that are going to make us think and worry and stress out about the plight of the planet. If you Mm -hmm. would like to just read a book that at the end you're going to feel like, huh, I feel a bit better now. Yes, I feel better now. My stresses in my life are still there, but I feel... A bit chill. Uh-huh. Pick up a romance novel. Yeah, that's great. Oh, that's a good. That's a good way to to look at it. It's. Um, I. I mean, I've had people that pick it up. Um, certainly, Flanker did put along the back a Royal Newfoundland Regiment love story mm-hmm. or regimental love story, and I've had people pick it up and say, "Oh, it's a love story. I'm gonna put it down." Oh. And I say, um, "Do you watch movies?" Uh-huh. I say, "Yeah." How many of them are love stories? How many yeah. of those movies that you see on the big screen do not have? A relationship conflict at the mm-hmm, epicenter because mm-hmm. they're they all do yeah for whether sure. it's they're all you know up in star- deep space nine and they're all you know trying to <laughs> yeah. save themselves from a exploding spaceship or it's I, I mean there's not one that doesn't have a, a relationship at the heart of it so you know um i think it is it's the old um feeling that a romance is 
you know, there's it's less than as mm-hmm. a piece of as a piece of literature. It's written by women, <clears throat> and, that, and, I, and that could be part of it too. I mean, I'm, but you know, the interesting part is that of the men, and there have been many who have looked past the, the romance thing, and I think mm-hmm. that there is a, a loyal fan base to Newfoundland writing, mm-hmm. um, yeah. and a lot of them are men. Mm-hmm. I've had a lot of men read the book, and I've had feedback from a lot of them, which was a huge surprise for me. I really anticipated um, that it was going to be a, a female book mm-hmm. uh, and I've had a lot of women that have said I'm buying that for my husband I'm oh buying that's that book. well I guess it's, it's the first world war connection I guess yeah, so for a lot of men and then I've heard from them after I've heard from tons of men saying this you know I really love this book oh that's great so it's it's been a it's you know there's been some things that I expected and there's been but there's been way more that that I didn't expect mm-hmm. and I think that's you know men great. are interesting and what you said about the people mm-hmm. who will read anything if it's set in Newfoundland is so true mm. because I have I don't know how many male readers I have elsewhere but I have a lot of male fans in Newfoundland which is awesome which yeah. is awesome and uh, in the beginning it was a bit strange um, I was at a wake one time <laughs> and there were sounds like the beginning of romance and so. there were a, a bunch of older relatives in uh-huh. their 70s and 80s who were men who knew my grandfather um, and know my dad and they came up and they were telling me you know they've read every book that I've oh, written great. and they love it and then you know they give me some ribbon and go oh yeah you're a real Berber <laughs> whatever that means whatever that I means. don't know but uh, yeah men men will read anything if if the story is compelling enough mm-hmm. and uh, it's and they're not ashamed of it. That's good, yeah. Right? I'll have a man That's come great. up and say, I want this, and I'll say, oh, is it a present? No, it's for me. It's for me, yeah. <laughs> Very good. Good for you. <laughs> well, that's great. Thank you so much, ladies. I really enjoyed this. Really appreciated Thank it. Thank you. Thanks for having us. That wraps up my conversation with Melanie Martin and Victoria Barber. I hope you enjoyed this chat just as much as I did, and I hope you find a book that you can fall in love with and maybe a perfect read for Valentine's Day. As always, if you want to see the titles of the books we talked about and also links to Melanie's and Victoria's own work, you can go to my website, TrudyMortonCole.com, click on the Shelf Esteem link, and it'll take you to a blog post that lists all those books. And I'll be back again in a couple weeks with some more great guests and some more great books to talk about. Until then, read a good book, build your shelf esteem.